Welcome to the Tour Backspin Show. I'm your host, Larry Bosch, and we've got a great episode for you today as we interviewed Janet and Barry Craig of the Jan Craig Head Cover Company. Barry is the son of the founder of the company, Jan Craig, and Janet is Barry's daughter and now runs the company. Jan Craig has been hand-knitting head covers since the early 1960s, and they have been a part of some very famous PGA players' equipment through the years. It's a great story. We're on the tee, so let's go. Hi, Janet. Hi, Barry. Welcome to the Tour Backspin Show. Hi. Hi, Larry. The story of your parents, Barry, and your grandparents, Janet, it lands right in the wheelhouse of what we're trying to do here at Tour Backspin, uh, not only because it falls within the era that we cover, but also it's just got so many compelling components to it as far as family, entrepreneurship, um, determination, but most of all, because it's a love story. So why don't you uh, give us the background on how your parents met Barry and uh, how, how golf played such an important role in that. My parents met uh, during a summer at uh, a place called Chautauqua, uh, somewhere out in the hitherlands between Columbus, Ohio, and Cincinnati. And at this point in their lives, uh, my mom hasn't played much golf. She was a very accomplished uh, swimming diver uh, and a girls field hockey player. And my dad saw her at the Chautauqua pool doing uh, acrobatics off the high dive and he was hanging around the chain link fence and she caught his eye and his first question to her was, you want to go play golf? And they did. And really the rest is history. Um, He was a self-taught plus three and she became, through determination and hard work, a scratch golfer herself. And the head cover business started completely by accident when she bought him uh, for his birthday one year. Uh, you know, at the time, was one of the uh, the modern classic leather golf bags, and back then. Uh, those golf bags also included uh, the leather head covers. But she didn't particularly like the look of the leather head covers. And being a woman from that era, she had been taught how to knit by her mother. And she started fooling around with yarn and knitting needles and came up with these wool hand knit head covers. And they are virtually unchanged today from what was her original design. Uh, Again, trying to make a long story short, 
because they were pretty renowned in Southern Ohio amateur golf, both individually and in couples competition, they had many, many uh, golfing friends. And when my dad first sported those head covers with his leather golf bag uh, at their club and around various events in Southern Ohio, people started asking him and her, those are great. Would you make a set for me? And my mom, who was just the, the ultimate sweetheart, couldn't say no. And after a couple of months of these requests and filling these requests, uh, the story goes that she went to my dad and said, I can't keep doing this. You know, I have no time to play golf. Uh, and he said, you don't realize it, but you have a business here if you want it. And you need to make a determination if you're going to dive into this feet first. And if you are, you need to start charging people because this takes a lot of time out of your day to do these things. And as fate would have it, she decided to give it a go. And from those modest beginnings, uh, it turned into, yeah, it's still a small family run business, but uh, we sell Jan Craig head covers worldwide. And it's still around after all these years. Um, I say it's a, a story of determination a little bit because of what your mother did when your father had to uh, go off for his military service. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. That's probably the centerpiece to the longer love story. Um, uh, they had just gotten married and he was in the army and he got shipped to Germany. And while he was away, uh, my mom made the determination, double entendre intended, uh, that uh, she was going to sharpen her modest golf skills so that uh, she could keep up with him. And as the story goes, uh, at their local club in Cincinnati, uh, she beat balls incessantly day after day after day. They had a, uh, a boxer uh, who would accompany her to the driving range and would sit, sit next to her seemingly never-ending pile of practice balls and the pro the head pro at that club took a shine to her saw uh, her determination and effort and was i'm told a great guy in terms of giving her tips and helping her along and all this time she didn't say a word to my dad about uh, what she was working on <laughs> and predictably given how my dad was wired, uh, upon his first return to the States uh, from Germany, he walked through the door, gave her a hug and a kiss, and said, let's go play golf. And uh, they drove to the course, and uh, he 
He was a prodigious long hitter, so he teed it up from the tips first off the first hole. Uh, and the story goes, the pro who knew what was up uh, wandered out of the pro shop and was standing next to him as my mom went to the ladies' tees, uh, teed her ball up, and ripped one about 230 yards with an old 1960 <laughs> persimmon driver right down the middle of the first fairway. And the story ends with the comment that my dad's jaw was absolutely on the ground. Couldn't believe what he had just seen. <laughs> and they were very competitive with each other, weren't they? They were. Uh, the other arguably favorite family story is every year on their anniversary in August. This is after my sister and I had been born. Uh they would drop us off at the grandparents' house and they would drive from Cincinnati to Pinehurst. And they played 36 a day in the heat of August in the Carolinas on course number two. Uh, and it was a head-to-head -head competition. And if you go to the Jan Craig Head Covers website, you'll see the Silver Bowl uh, which was the trophy that was bestowed to the winner of each year's event uh, with the year and the name of the winner, either Jan or Bert, engraved on the bowl. And that today is one of my prized possessions. That's great. Now, just uh, for our listeners who uh, may not recognize the name uh, of Jan Craig Head Covers, uh, they probably don't realize that they saw it almost every weekend uh, during the heyday of Jack Nicholas. Um, why don't you talk about that tie-in with uh, Nicholas and uh, his green and white McGregor bag and his green and white Jan Craig head covers? So I can't point pinpoint the year because I was too young at the time, but uh, we lived on a out in farmland in, in southern Ohio, about 30 miles northeast of Cincinnati. And uh, we actually had uh, a party line, party telephone line. Uh, for the youngsters out there, uh, they're probably not even going to know what a party line is. But, uh, you know, you there were maybe 15 or 20 people on this party line. And the phone rang on the party line one day. And there was this young tour professional who my mom had heard uh, something about, but uh, he was young and upcoming and his name was Jack Nicholas. And he uh, was born and bred in Columbus, Ohio, not far away. And I think he also, in addition to liking the look of the covers, he liked the Ohio connection. And he asked her if she could knit a set of green and white head covers for him and he proceeded to carry we we ultimately changed the name of our our, our green yarn to mcgregor green uh <laughs> because jack carried those covers for close to 30 years and uh, a small family business uh, there were no marketing dollars so it was all advertising by word of mouth. And you're absolutely right, Larry, nobody uh, ever learned about us 
in an ad, but word got around that Jack's head covers uh, were handmade by this lady in Southern Ohio by the name of Jan Craig. And that's how uh, the business grew via a grassroots basis. And you know, Jack's caddy back at the time, uh, the famous Greek, Angelo Argrea, uh, you know, he had that white Afro. So the combination of Angelo's Afro and our giant pom-poms on Jack's bag were irresistible to TV cameras and photographers from Sports Illustrated and the like. So uh, the head covers were all over the place, but you had to work really hard and get into your referral network to find out what they were and where you could get them. Yeah, that grassroots marketing, you can't beat that. And those pictures were so iconic of his caddy, the green and white McGregor bag, your head covers, and then Jack in front of them just stalking up the fairway every week. It was pretty iconic. The uh, probably... Uh, the single biggest week um, in terms of Jan Craig head covers was uh, the 1977 Open Championship at Turnberry, the, the duel in the sun, yeah. where uh, Jack and Tom Watson lapped the field and were paired together all four rounds. And this was back when ABC covered the open championship and there were no other golfers to show. <laughs> uh, so the entire broadcast over the entire weekend was nothing but Jack and Tom and both of them carrying yeah. their Jan Craig's. Uh, it, it was a big week at Jan Craig head covers, not only in terms of uh, sales, but also reputation building. Join us on the other side of a short break as we learn how Janet took control of the reins of the Jan Craig Head Cover Company and learn how an army of grandmother knitters kept the production of the hand-knit head covers humming. Also learn how you can get your own customized hand-knit head covers right after this short break. Uncorked, the life and times of Champagne Tony Lima tells the story of one of the PGA Tour's biggest stars in the mid-1960s. A fascinating glimpse into the traveling caravan that was the tour during an era where the fields were full of madmen era personalities. From a hard-scrabbled youth spent on the wrong side of the tracks in the Oakland suburb of San Leandro, to the temptations of Elko, Nevada, to the bright lights of the PGA Tour, Uncorked tells a story of determination, redemption, and above all else, a love story that documents how Betty, Tony's new wife, provided the direction and motivation for him to become a top star. Order your copy today on Amazon. Janet, when did you take over the company and can you speak a little bit about the evolution of the company after your grandmother passed away? Yeah, absolutely. I It's been about three years since I officially took over. I like to say that I was always unofficially involved um, thanks to my dad, I was swinging a golf club, you know, since I could walk. And I always was curious about the business and the mechanical pieces that we had to make palms and yarn was always all over our house and in our basement and things like that. 
So it's always been in my life, but officially took the driver's seat three years ago. Um, I, my grandma passed before I was born and um, dad, correct me if I'm wrong, 77. So I didn't have a chance to meet her. Um, but that's been a highlight for me since taking over is getting to know her even better through customers who call me and say, I think I ordered from your grandma directly. And it's, it's really, really a special thing. Um, it's funny talking about evolution because there's a lot that has changed in 61 years, but there's also a lot that hasn't. Um, nine times out of 10, if you call our office, I'll be the one picking up the phone, taking the orders by hand if it's a phone order, things like that. Um, we still really heavily rely on that word of mouth marketing that my dad was talking about. And we sort of have the, if you know, you know, club, even though I've infused some more digital marketing and social media and things like that um, in 2023. But there's a lot that stayed the same. And I think that is what makes us so special that we still have such a rich family history and personal touch point with all of our customers. I think it really shows and keeps people around. So you're, uh, you're kind of experiencing a, a, a golden era of interest in your business, I would imagine with both the COVID bump and the enthusiasm in golf, and also the interest in um, vintage and retro gear. Uh, the cool thing about your stuff is that it's authentically uh, vintage or retro. And uh, why don't you speak a little bit about how the COVID bump and, and the current fad with uh, you know retro and vintage items has played into your business? Sure. It's it's funny that you mentioned that because I talk about that a lot that, yes, we're vintage, but it's just who we are. It's not like we're trying to achieve right. that. Look. Um, so it's, it's cool that it's genuine and that people actually enjoy it. Uh, we absolutely noticed a bump when people needed to be outside and were golfing and started to get into it. Uh, that's been really fun for me, welcoming a new generation of golfers Prior to the pandemic, it kind of seemed that you had your folks like us who were so obsessed playing every minute they could, knew everything about the industry, et cetera. And then you had your people who maybe played twice a year, one, you know, a charity event or a work event, and there wasn't a lot going on in the middle. And now we have all those people who are more frequent weekend golfers who maybe aren't as crazy obsessed as we are, but they like it enough that they want to invest in their game and in their gear. So they find out about us through friends or what have you. Um, and that's been a really interesting part of it is meeting this kind of new generation of golfers, getting to tell our story from way back when into now and evolving through the nineties. And when my parents took over and that sort of evolution, um, some of those people are surprised when they find out we're still hand-knit, which is another fun element, getting to tout that. And um, I'm so proud of that fact. Um, I work so closely with all of our knitters. So it's it's nice for me to be able to brag on them to those people who are just discovering us for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I'll just say that if you're one of those players that's carrying a uh, Jones carry bag because you want the look, you haven't really got to look until you add a set of uh, Jan Craig head covers to that. Um, let's talk I about. I do your... think so. I, I think so, but I, I'll acknowledge my bias. <laughs> let's talk about your uh, your knitters. Uh, how many people, how many do you have knitting for you? How does that work? 
Sure. So we we have fluctuated from time to time, you know, a couple dozen at any given point. Right now, they're all actually in the Chicagoland area, um, but they, they're able to knit from their homes. And we have a whole kind of system set up where we supply their materials and collect the pieces, put the finishing touches together in the office and ship from our office in Chicago. Um, so it's it's one knitting pattern that everybody adheres to, but it's it's fun to see, you know, the learning process and how quickly some do it and things like that. Some some of my employees prefer certain colors because they like the vibrance of some orders, things like that. Um, and then, you know, our palms we get made and we can customize with different stripes, numerals, initials, um, embroidery. We have a lot of there's a lot of interest nowadays with everybody in their logo um, obsession. So it's important to us to be able to logo for our club partners and wholesale partners. So that's another element, but it, it's really um, scrappy. It's it's there's a lot of moving parts and I have my hands on everything that goes out the door. Um, so it's, it's fun to see whether they're going to a pros bag or to somebody buying new head covers for the first time, knowing that I had the whole process from A to Z. Um, it's a point of pride for me, for sure. That's cool. So you can customize these head covers. So a club could put the club logo on on the head cover and sell them through the shop. Yes, absolutely. Um, is there a minimum order for clubs to do that? There's not because uh, yeah, I know there's a phrase that you use that I'm forgetting now because everything's hand knit. You know, it, it's we don't run it on a machine and um, we got to use our yarn and four needles every single time. So um, you can order one or 100. And what's the turnaround time? It varies. That's the hot question always. Um, leading into summer, we typically are anywhere between four and six weeks. Embroidery adds a bit longer. Um, so we always just ask that everybody remembers that we're hand knit and really made with love because they take a bit of time to get on the bag. So those of you out there that are uh, thinking about Christmas gifts, it's not too early to place an order for your your head covers for Christmas. <laughs> we do always like to caveat, though, if you've got a birthday or maybe a Scotland trip on the books and we need to expedite, we'll we'll try to get them out for you. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, so tell us about the world headquarters. It's, it sounds like you've got your your knitters can knit from home and um, you have some uh, manufacturing equipment that you need to use for the, the pom-poms and things like that. So what's your setup there? Sure. we uh, I wouldn't say manufacturing equipment. I might have misled with that. It's okay. still very much hand done. We've got kind of our technology is also the wrong word, just our, our hand way of doing it. Um, mm -hmm. But we're based in Chicago, which is also funny given our short golfing season. So even when we're looking out the window at snow, we're thinking about golf at our headquarters um, but we're lucky there's a pretty big golfing community in Chicago, both players and some other companies. So we're we're in good company in the golf space in Chicago. Um, I have a few of my employees come in every day who are getting to see the A to Z that I get to do and help me with the technical knitting pieces and things like that. Um, it's, a, it's a small scrappy setup, but it, it really is kind of our hub and our home base. And it beats when my parents were running it out of their basement for a short time in the 90s. <laughs> um, there's such a difference between quality in the knit head cover um, range. Tell us about 
how you can make uh, your head covers that can last, take a, take the beating that they that they do out on the course, especially when people are carrying their clubs, and how they can last just as long, if not longer, than leather head covers. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a few factors that play in. I mean, speaking strictly to the material, we've always used 100% wool. Um, it's really thick, high quality. The the pattern that my grandma came up with way back when just works. Um, we've, I think the key element honestly is how long we've been in business, the experience, because that lends not only to our yarn vendors knowing us well and knowing what quality we need. It lends to all of our employees who are knitting the head covers, not only knowing where to start, but we also offer repairs. So they see the repairs come in and they see maybe where damage is coming in more frequently or where it happens the most and where they need to pay more attention. And then also customer education. I think our customers know the little hacks and tips and tricks to keep your head covers in tip top shape. Uh, the number one is don't pull from the palms or tassel, always grab the sock and that'll keep you in business a little longer. So our 60 plus years of business has just helped everybody, ourselves, our customers, our vendors know what we expect out of every product and how to keep them on your bag as long as possible. Do you have any players out on the tour currently using, using your head covers? It always varies day by day based on sponsorships and, you know, the big buck OEMs that jump onto bags on those contracts We've been really lucky through the years with the number of people who have wanted to carry us just because they love the product. I'm always really proud. Um, both Jessica and Nellie Corda have used them at various points throughout their career. That's a point of pride for me because I really admire both their games. Mm -hmm. um, Lucas Glover more frequently, Jason Duffner, um, Tom Watson still uses them proudly. He had um, his newest set on the bag for the ceremonial first tee shot at the Masters this year, which was a lot of fun for us. And then you'll see them pop up every once in a while because we've been on some Ryder Cup team bags for Team USA. Those who were on those teams have their head covers and maybe use them for a hybrid every now and then. But if you keep your eyes out, you'll see palms here and there across different majors for sure. That, that is so cool. Um, so we spoke we in just passing about how um, young your mom was, uh, Barry, when she passed away. How about your dad? Is uh, how long did is he still alive? No, he we lost him uh, to natural causes two years ago. He was uh, ninety one years old. Uh, there, uh, he had many many years ago reserved uh, the grave site next to her in, in southern Ohio. Uh, so obviously we laid him to rest there and uh, one final family story uh, recalling the story I gave you a few minutes ago about their annual anniversary trip um, to their favorite place in the world, uh, Piner's number two. Uh, we made, in addition to my dad's headstone, uh, a third headstone that now rests between their two headstones and it simply says eternally reunited at pinehurst number two. Oh, that is so great uh what did he do was he what did he do for a living other than 
He, uh, the head cover. Oh. <laughs> he was uh, he was third generation grain elevator operator. Oh, his grandfather had started a a local uh, grain elevator company in the town that uh, they all grew up in. And uh, he and his younger brother uh, ran that business after their grandfather had passed it down to their father, my grandfather. And then he, after he passed away, my dad and younger brother, who, who had grown up in that business, just like JC has grown up in the head cover business, uh, ran the grain elevator op operation. And that kind of ties into um, why, how, how the head cover business uh, proved to be successful from its early days. Uh, being in that kind of business, my dad's job was to know everybody across all of the farmland in the region that the grain elevator covered. And back then in the 1960s, just like with my mom, uh, many of the farmer's wives knew not only how to sew and crochet, but also knit. So my dad would enlist the farmer's wives uh -huh. to uh, be knitters. And I can vividly recall every morning on his way uh, to his office, he would load up the car uh, with various yarn colors. And his job as part of this operation was on his way to work to drop off the yarn and uh, the order, the knitting instructions at various farmhouses. And on the way home, he would stop at other farmhouses where uh, he had been called and told, okay, this set of orders is, is done. So he was an integral part. <laughs> That's, um, how, how big an army of knitters did uh, Chan have at the height? Of uh, the probably about the same number that we have today. So he yeah. was, he, he was, back then, what our UPS drivers are to us today. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about how people can order their head covers. Uh, talk about your online ordering process and if people could call you to order. Sure. Both are fabulous options. Call, email, our website. I'm very proud of. Um, my dad helms that big, big project before I officially took over. We have a design tool on our site that you can play around with our different colors and kind of envision your uh, head cover set. We still play around with it. I sometimes will walk in my family room and find my husband designing a set just for fun. <laughs> uh, but it, I always like to mention that it's just a starting point because we can customize if you want crazy stripes or more initials, or if you're a club that wants your logo, that's where you just pick up the phone, shoot me an email, send us a drawing. We get some people actually draw out their vision and email it over. And um, we, anyway, whether you want to go all tech, no personal, or if you want to talk with someone through the process, um, our phone lines are always open and I'll always give you a call back. 
Um, but you can do palms, tassels, stripes, initials. So let's see what I've got here. Just a few kind of different examples of what you've got going on. Um, yeah, it's it's a blessing and a curse that we're so customizable because you can get in the weeds and really take some time trying to decide your colors and this, that, and the other. But uh, we can match any bag you have, any vision you have. That's very cool. Give your give your website address. Sure. It's Jan Craig Headcovers, plural, dot com. Okay. And um, anything else you want to add on the, the story of Jan Craig Headcovers? We've got a great, again, nodding to my dad in the website. He took a lot of time. Um, I'm sure you've been able to gather. He's a great storyteller um, and kind of can captivate anybody. It's an easy story to tell, but he obviously has a great way of relaying it. And he included even more details on our website. So if you have the time, we've got a great legacy page there to really learn a little bit more about my grandparents' love story, the starting of the business, all of that time in between then and now. Um, we're on social media too, at Jan Craig Golf, if that's your thing. I'm always just kind of posting some of those more out of the box projects and inspiration for your next project. And I think I'd leave by saying, just look out for palms next time you're watching coverage and see if you can spot us. That's great. Thanks. Thanks again for your time today. I know, I know it's a busy time of the year with golf season kicking into full swing. Uh, so I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks again. Thank you, Larry. The free tour backspin newsletter on Substack takes you inside the stories of the PGA Tour in the 1960s and the 1970s. Each week, your host Larry Bosch provides a legit, well-researched story from that era that shares some DNA with the tournament being currently played on the PGA Tour. The personalities of both the superstars and the journeyman pros are highlighted as Larry explains how they won a tour event. You can also test your golf course knowledge in the What Hole Is It contest where you have the chance to win a golf prize. Weigh in on the issues of the day on the PGA Tour in the Tour Backspin poll, hear a specially curated Spotify playlist, view the fashions of the day and a swing sequence of one of the stars of that era. See how Madison Avenue marketed the pros in the PGA Tour in a vintage ad and see the interesting and humorous posts from the social media corners of the internet. All this and more is available for free each week in the Tour Backspin newsletter on Substack. Find it at L-A-R-R-Y-B-A-U-S-H dot Substack dot com. That's Larry Bosch dot Substack dot com. Thank you for joining us here on the Tour Backspin Show. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Upcoming guests will include Al Guyberger, who will walk us through the 59 he shot in the 1979 Danny Thomas St. Jude Open, Chuck Courtney, and Frank Beard. Until then, fairways and greens, my friend. Tour Backspin Show is written, produced, and hosted by Larry Bosch. The theme music is the song Whiskey by Crowlander. For comments or show suggestions, please contact us by email at larry at tourbackspin.com.